Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. Great virtual team leaders are intentional on having their teammates feel purposeful, appreciated, and treated fairly. They intentionally drive synergy, support, and a sense of fairness. On today's podcast, Alina Svidarskaya, leadership coach and expert in high-performance teams, shares with us how to plan for and operationalize synergy, support, and sense of fairness through creating team guidelines and through a weekly review so that you can effectively team anywhere. Hello and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your co-host, Mitch Simon, on the West Coast. And on the East Coast, we have our marvelous and fantastic co-host, Dr. Virginia Bianco Mathis. Ginny, how are you today? I am wonderful. Thank you. Wonderful. And I think we've got a wonderful guest. So why don't you go ahead and introduce us to our wonderful guest? Oh, I'm delighted to do so. Today we have Alina Skidovskaya, and we are excited today to have this leadership expert who is going to talk to us about dealing with leadership in today's chaotic environment. She's the creator of Empowered to Lead and the Work and Wellness Amplified programs. I really like that combination. Many workshops and podcasts around those topics of leadership mindsets, the leader as coach, dealing with imposter syndrome, and managing conversations. She has degrees in psychology and public accountancy, interesting combo from McGill, and of course, then resides in Canada. Welcome today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. Now, let us hear the much better pronunciation of your name with your lovely accent. (laughs) Well, my name is pronounced Alina Sviderskaya. Oh, beautiful. I've heard it all. I don't feel offended at all. (laughs) Well, except we need to learn how to pronounce it appropriately. Tell me a bit, all of us and our leaders and listeners, an overview of your work, your clients, your mission. Mm -hmm. Where are you adding value? So my work is focused on helping organizations create better places to work. We've all been there when there's Sunday and we feel that the Sunday blues and the Sunday dread. And it's often because we don't feel fulfilled or we don't feel engaged in what we do. So I've had experiences in my life where I've worked in corporate world where I had fantastic leaders and not so fantastic leaders. We have all those experiences. And I just realized that the leaders have such an impact on creating that microculture because we all know companies have cultures, but companies are big and every department has their own microcultures and leaders mm-hmm. are really the drivers of that microcultures. And a great leader can make a difference between, oh my God, I don't want to go to work to I can't wait to try this or I can't wait to share that idea. 
So my work is really on helping organizations empower their leaders to lead in a way that brings out the best of employees, that creates this flow of innovative ideas, creates synergies in teams, and just benefits everyone. Really, it's a win-win. Yes, yes. So let's get into some of that. You're reminding me of one wonderful leader I was fortunate enough to still work with. And as part of his whole mission and vision is I want an organization where people literally jump out of bed and go, I cannot wait to get there, whether it's on Zoom or in person. So definitely we all can picture that. So you like to focus on high performance hybrid teams. What are the characteristics of such teams? And then how does a leader encourage that to happen? Building high-performance hybrid teams is really everywhere because we went through a transition of going remote or hybrid, and now a lot of companies are going through another transition back to the office. And now many companies realize that there is an advantage of having some people working from home and it gives flexibility and it really helps meet unique needs of individuals. And in terms of building high-performing hybrid teams, I think I would really like to start with what needs to happen to build a high-performing team in general, because it still applies to the hybrid teams. And I would say it's three S's, <laughs> synergy, support, and sense of fairness. So when ah. we have those three elements, regardless of whether we're remote, in-person, or hybrid, we perform better. And synergy comes from every team member understanding their role in the team. How do they fit in into overall picture? What is their role? How they can support each other? What is their common purpose? So that creates, you know, I'm part of something and that something has a purpose and we have each other's backs. So that's where the synergy comes from. Support comes from, and it can happen in many different ways. It's support in terms of one-on-one coaching, that interest that the manager takes into, I want to know how you're doing. You know, are you okay? Is there something that I can do for you? Really taking that extra step to learning about the unique needs of everyone. But it also comes in the shape of training and providing toolkits because we can't expect an artist, a painter to reach their full potential when they don't have a canvas or paints or brushes. So we need some basic things as well to provide to our employees that they can actually do their best work. And finally, the sense of fairness is super important in any team where we know that we're treated fairly, that we are provided opportunity that are fair, and there's the distribution of work is fair. We can free up a lot of mental energy and stress to focus on what's really important. Whereas where we don't feel that there is a sense of fairness, then there's a lot of, you know, the internal dialogues and a lot of stress and a lot of, you know, there's a lot Com- going on Comparison and exactly. yes. It's just yeah. the frustration. So we need all those three elements to be present in any team. But in hybrid teams, what's unique about it is that some of those elements require a more intentional approach because even the sense of fairness, when some people are in the workplace, you know, in person and some are remote, maybe there is proximity bias, unequal access to information. The mm. collaboration may not be the same. So it's affected by that. You just mentioned different ways that fairness can exhibit itself because of virtual. Yeah, We've all heard the old ones, but the new ones are, well, I didn't get that information. Mm-hmm. I love it. Alina, if you could take us through, how can you be more intentional in the areas of synergy support and sense of fairness? So what is a leader to do in those three areas? 
much work. Jeannie and I, we spoke earlier and we talked a lot about partnering between leaders and teams because it's not all on leaders. And I always mention this to leaders because there's just so much pressure on anyone who manages their team. And we have to also remember that leaders are in a unique position. There's so much pressure. They want most people that I have met in leadership positions, they genuinely care about their teams. They really want them to succeed, but they have so much pressure. They have to deal with their own staff and they also need to be supported. They also need to have all those three elements as being part of the leadership team to perform well. So it's really around understanding that it's not all up to leaders. But if we can partner together with our teams, this work can be so much easier and so much more impactful. So involving teams in determining how can we work together so then we have their synergy. So what are the needs that we have? And especially in hybrid teams, and I recommend this to any team, whether they're in person, hybrid or remote, but it's creating team guidelines. This is kind of the seed of this co-creating of our unique microculture where we build it together. Because a leader has a certain personality, has certain experiences, and it's just not possible to see the same situation from perspective of every single person on the team. And there's also some uniqueness to the teams. Even within organization, we can have accounting team that has their own unique ways of working. Maybe they're not client facing, but every end of the month and the beginning of the month, they're super busy and they need to collaborate the most. Then maybe in the middle of the month, they can relax a little bit and focus on other things, quarter ends, budget, projections. So that's, you know, being the public accountant, I know. Right. I was going to say, that's where that comes in. What are some team guidelines that you've heard of that really work for hybrid? For hybrid. So it starts with understanding the 80-20 rule. What is the 20% that really makes us perform well? So first, it's understanding together. So brainstorming around what are the key processes, key tasks, key collaborations that we really need to nail to become high-performing teams. So that's where the kind of getting the ideas of what are the critical areas we need to cover because we can't change everything at the same time. Then we can start talking about that in more detail. So a very common one is email etiquette because now as everybody is working from home or used to work from home, Everybody has their different schedules. Somebody prefers to work in the morning. Some may be actually okay with working late at night. But then when the message is starting to fly 24 hours a day, then it creates stress for some people who say, you know, do I have to reply to this? Or what is my action? What is my ownership on that? So email etiquette is really a common one. Then it's around how do we create meetings, for example, where everybody's included. So for example, now if half of the people are joining remotely and half is in the room, How do we make sure that everyone feels included? Everyone shares that idea. And that's where we can start brainstorming. Is it, do we all join remotely where at least one person is remote? Maybe that's something that we can come up with. Another one is critical meetings. So which meetings are critical to attend and how do we make the most out of them? For example, one of my clients who's a leader said, you know, we had this Monday meeting where she would schedule 15 minute blocks and kind of would pull everybody into, you know, at their specific time to provide updates, ask their questions, guide them, support them. And what she started realizing is that some meetings run late, some were short. So it became a mess and people were frustrated. They sometimes didn't have the time to explain things and they were cut short, kind of, you know, it wasn't productive. 
So when they got together and they had a discussion, they came up with a new idea of a drive-by meeting would block an hour and a half and everyone's calendar. So they knew that in this block, they can't be called in. And so they basically invite one person at a time, deal with them, let them go, and then invite another person. So that's what they came up with. I like that. Right. So that's one of the examples. Okay. That concept of really concentrating on what's critical and whether it's a process, a procedure, a meeting, that you can really build on that, I believe, in the hybrid environment. You also talk about, and I think this is tied to guidelines, but giving me a little more on making working agreements. Mm-hmm. A little more about that. So working agreements, it's alignment around how are we going to work together to get to the results that we need to get to while really meeting our needs and unique situations. So it's how do we interact with each other? You know, for example, it can be when somebody asks me to do something, when I ask somebody to do something, I have to be very clear about three things. And that's a very common thing that I talk about with my clients is quality, quantity, and timeline. So even it's a simple rule, but saying, you know, if I'm sending a request to someone, I'm going to clarify what exactly do I need in terms of quantity and quality is, you know, if I ask somebody, you know, I need projections. Well, what does it mean? Projection for three months, for 12 months, for how many products? What does it involve? So I have to take an ownership of providing very clear, specific requests, especially when we are in a remote environment saying. Totally. Yes. With this level of detail, I just need a draft for creating, for making a high-level decision, for example, and I need it by this date. And as you and I both know, the literature on accountability abounds with that kind of advice, you know, three or four basic things be very clear about, and then educating everyone else if you don't get that to ask for it. However, we got sloppy in the offices with it. Mm -hmm. People then made assumptions and you get, wait a minute, this is not what I wanted. And I'm just repeating what you just said. Now, if I'm on the other side of the world, I need all of those parameters. Three, four days go by. And for you to then send me the wrong piece of data, so cool. Getting really back into accountability on both sides. The agreement that I love because it really gets to culture was once you make an agreement, giving everyone permission to call everybody else on it. Could you share with me that one fabulous example of the leader who sent the email and what happened? So we had a conversation where we had an owner of a company present and also some managers that reported into him And we had this very vulnerable conversation where the leader said, you know, I don't feel like my needs are met because I'm sending you something and I'm sharing those ideas with you and I don't hear anything. It's crickets and I feel unvalued and I don't feel heard and really want my team to be involved in this. And what he heard back, he said, well, you're sending us things at 9 p.m. and we're maybe in the middle of something. And we feel stressed because now we're not really with the family and we're thinking about work and we don't know what the expectation is for you from us. But having that conversation was just so fantastic to see. It was super vulnerable, but it it helped really expose the gaps. Yes. We fill in with the information because every time we feel frustrated... It's because we made it mean something. We assign the meaning of what it means. If we don't receive something back, 
it means that you didn't care. That's yes. I think it's because you were doing something else that's more important and you're going to get back to me. I'm not going to get upset, but I'm feeling the gaps with it. So having those agreements allows to pre-feel the gaps and then having the baseline to really have to navigate this. If this didn't happen, let's talk about this. What went wrong? It becomes this right. ownership co-accountability and actually makes all the difficult conversations much easier because we're coming from the same place. We agreed on it. I'm not. No, well, that's the thing. This was an agreement that we're going to be more respectful of some of our boundaries and you sending it at nine o'clock breaks that agreement. So they were able to talk about it. But what was very funny to me was the leader was saying, oh my gosh, I thought I was doing something that you would really appreciate because I was sharing myself and being vulnerable. (laughs) including you you know like i have this yes. idea and i'm including you because i'm excited to share and then instead i feel like you don't care and he heard what actually was right supposed to come up with an alternate solution they said we're gonna have this at the end of the day meeting where we're gonna have 15 minutes of sharing things and then you know send us the expectations of what you want us to do with this and how do you want us to reply to make it easier for us but it all starts with the conversation Definitely. The sharing of expectations, you know, what does quick turnaround mean to you versus for me? And actually then talk about that. Just recently, I said to my dean, don't you answer your emails? Because for me, it was maybe it was 24 hours, right? Because I'm just a hound with emails. And he goes, what do you mean? A day's gone by and now I'll answer it. So I think that was also like a Woody Allen movie way in the past about the timing of how we or how we each perceive things. It's such an important point because it's failure and success in performance is really based on the expectations we had. And like you mentioned, it's we all had different expectations. When I ask somebody, I need this ASAP. But to me, it can mean by the end of the week, and we're Monday today. But for that's the people, right. Dropping everything and they thinking it's before lunchtime. So it's as soon as possible, quick, fast, good, better. Right. Don't use those. We need to clarify very specific. But when the leader does not provide this, the person also needs to take ownership of saying, you know, I'm not entirely clear on what is it that I need to do and asking clarifying questions. So when we have that alignment, guidelines and working agreements is then it allows to continue this conversation saying, I'm not really clear on that. And making it safe. Yeah. It's okay for me to say, well, I have a few more questions. What do you mean by ASAP? The leader or the person asking doesn't roll their eyes, even if it's on Zoom, right? (laughs) Well, I'd like us to move into, you do concentrate on an area that I think is very important. Mm -hmm. Just share a little bit of where you're coming from. Yeah. So like I mentioned earlier, leaders are really the drivers of the microculture. They become a bridge between what's going on the ground and the day-to-day and the goals of the company. So leaders are in this unique position because they have a big picture vision. They also have an overview of different personalities on the team so they can leverage them to the best of their ability. So they become the facilitator of conversations. And most importantly, they lead by example. Mm -hmm. And I have this conversation often where there is a big difference between a leader who says, do as I say, not do as I do, and setting the rules, but not following them. 
it sends a very powerful message. And one of the things, for example, you know, one of the challenges in hybrid teams is the proximity bias. And so proximity bias is when many leaders feel like because they can see somebody in the office, they know more about their performance. And people feel that, you know, if their managers spend most of their time in the office, it sends a message. Being in the office is better, but we all have different situations and some people actually do work better from home, but they feel pressure and they feel forced to actually get to the office so the manager can see them to get more opportunities. So that's one of the examples of leading by example. So the leader's role is understanding there is a proximity bias. It's a human nature. We all have it. So how do we intentionally address it? And I actually read about this interesting example at Quora. They said they encourage the leadership team to spend most of their time outside of the office. Normalize yes. being outside. It, it, normalize it. Correct. You talk about the one way to look at this, and I know all the lines are becoming blurred. The leader, the manager, the team leader, however you're going to be configured, there is someone usually in between, you know, I think you use the word the cushion. What kind of characteristics does that kind of manager need to have? Because you also mentioned that is how you retain people. Yeah. So you mean the middle manager? Is that what you mean? Yeah. The middle manager is a really challenging position in, in terms of they do not have a lot of experience in managing people. It's a new role sometimes. So it's really about building the foundation. So I mentioned the three S's, you know, the synergy, the support and the sense of fairness, so really intentionally addressing them. So in terms of characteristics, I think it's understanding. There's a few myths that a lot of leaders believe in that stand in their way, especially the new manager, is really around the pressure to know all the answers. And you mentioned my work in imposter syndrome area. And so that's where a lot of this comes from, because when the new managers get into that new position, so the pressure to know all the answers and to be responsible for everything and being able to do it all, it can be so high that it actually works against them. So there's that protective mechanism that the level of stress goes up. And so it's very difficult to talk to people like that, you know, and they're really afraid to make mistakes. So I think it comes from understanding that it's when someone transitions into leadership positioning is it's not just in addition to their responsibilities. It's a completely different role. I feel it's from, you know, being a musician to becoming a conductor. You don't yes. have to know how to play every single instrument, but you need to know how they all come together and how can you help them get somewhere together. The spotlight goes from you as an individual contributor to your team members. So I think in terms of characteristics, and it was a long way to get there, but in terms of characteristics, I think it's really important to understand the strength of your individual team members, understanding their needs and their motivators, and creating the environment in which they can thrive. And if my team is hybrid, how do I make that happen? How do I get that knowledge? So in the team that is hybrid, it requires that more intentional approach. So for managers, I always tell them it requires that reflection of when you're at the end of your week, asking yourself, well, who did I connect? So I have my team of six people. Who did I connect with this week and who I haven't connected with and why? Even asking in terms of the tasks that are going out, the opportunities that are going out, the new projects, who are they going to? 
and really creating that space for reflection and saying, what's happening? What's going on with my team? Am I treating everyone fairly? Or do we, you know, is there someone who is kind of left unsupported? Reflect. Yeah, I love that. And I know what you mean. I sometimes have to also, and I'm sure Mitch does, remind both leaders and managers You must have in your week, in your day, whatever the rhythm is that works for you, the reflection time on what is it that I'm doing or not doing Mm -hmm. for the results that I believe are best for us to get to where we need to go. That's something the pandemic did. Absolutely. And the support that I talked about earlier can be very different. It can be one-on-one in person if they're spending most of their time in the office, but also Zoom video calls provide a fantastic opportunity to have that space. So it's about being proactive and having those one-on-one recurring conversations that go beyond just performance, because that's where you really understand the unique strength of your team is when you ask them, what is going great with you? What are you proud of? What are your wins? Because questions, the powerful questions. Yes. Using the questions versus telling people, this is what I expect. (laughs) This is what we need to do. It's really turning the tables and really providing space for your team members to shine and to share things with you because it takes time. It requires (laughs) us to share the vulnerabilities, the challenges, where people need support. It requires time and it can only be developed through consistent, intentional, pre-scheduled one-on-one conversations where you as a leader give space to your team to share first. I love that. And if I'm there on the other side and my manager is calling or leader, it's the leader and manager who can set that space oh, this is a conversation. Whereas I might have had one, two, three, four, five on my list to share with my manager and my leader. You can create, these are conversations that we're having for mutual support Mm -hmm. and moving things forward for you as a person and for the organization. That's a totally different. And mastering the art of questions I think it's one of the biggest tools leaders can develop is questions because one good question is worth thousands. Oh, it is. (laughs) Just asking a team member saying, what are you proud of this week? It's a simple question, but it gives you so much. It's like a door into the world of this person because what the person brings up and you can see the body language changes. It's such a good way to explore what motivates them. You can see, is it something that they learn? Is it something that they taught somebody else? Is there a challenge? Oh, you're so right. So that's how we get to know somebody is when we genuinely ask and then listen to what the person says. Because just think about it. If I'm an employee and my manager manager, my leader, I know how busy they are, but they proactively schedule with me. You know, maybe it's every two weeks or a weekly or monthly call where they spend their time asking me questions and listening to what I have to say. Just imagine what kind of powerful message that sends. We, we're talking about leading by example. Yes. Yes. Better, I want to get to know you. I want to support you. I want to learn more about you. It's human to human. And that will last until the next phone call. You want to be engaged in that. And now you have a much more enriching kind of environment. Absolutely. This is fabulous. (laughs) How can people get connected with you? 
Well, the best place to connect with me is LinkedIn. That's my digital home. That's where I spend most of my time. I post leadership content there all the time and the videos and just some reflections on my work. So it's Alina Sudarskaya. And I also have a website. It's alinasudarskaya.com. So I would be happy to connect with anyone who wants to learn more about becoming a more effective leader. Oh, that's fabulous. Mitch. Yeah. As I reflect, I want to share why I think this is fabulous is, you know, what you really shared with our listeners, Alina, is, you know, what a great leadership, a leader, a manager does, whether virtual or in person, is I need to provide synergy. I need to make sure that all of my team is sharing a common purpose, that I support my team, that I really allow people to contribute their uniqueness. And that I was fair. I have a sense of fairness. And I just see that as a way to say, okay, so I'm going to start my week as a leader. And these are great things to focus on. If I'm a new manager, this is what you need to focus on, not all the other stuff. And then as you are leading with synergy, support, and sense of fairness, at the end of the week, you say, okay, all right, who did I connect with? And I think this is the part that we as leaders don't do as much. Who did I not connect with? What's going on with my team? Maybe someone isn't feeling supported. I think with hybrid and virtual is, was I fair? Did I pull everybody in? Because it's easy when you're in a room with a bunch of people, they're all there, but it's not when you're hybrid. And of course, some people will want more interaction. Some people would want less, but just did I interact? And so, yeah, leadership is really mastering the art of questions you are a master, Alina. And of course you are a master, Ginny, and I'm still working on it. So I want to thank you, Alina, for this beautiful and fabulous interview. I want to thank Ginny for leading this beautiful, fabulous interview. And I want to thank all of our beautiful and fabulous listeners every week to Team Anywhere. And please share this with your friends, your colleagues, your family. We look forward to seeing you next time on our next episode of Team Anywhere. Anywhere.